Chapter Four of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. The wind had blown away the clouds which lay so heavily on the sky the night before. The morning rose bright and sparkling, with a brisk gale stirring the air and a clear, fresh, frosty look over the whole earth. At an early hour, for matutinal habit had become inveterate. Mr. Dudley rose, and going to the window, gazed out upon a scene of which he had been able to discover little at the dark hour of his arrival. I will not pause to describe all that he beheld, for the public taste is as capricious in matters of composition as in regard to mere dress, and the detailed description of scenery, the pictures with the pen, which please much at one time, weary at another. It is a railroad age, too, all the world is anxious to get on and we hurry past remorselessly all the finer traits of mind and character which were objects of thought and study to our ancestors just as the traveller in the long screaming groaning smoking train is hurried past those sweet and beautiful spots in which the contemplative man of former days was accustomed to pause and ponder on one small portion of the landscape however i must dwell for I shall have to speak of it presently, and must recur to it more than once hereafter. The house was situated in an extensive park, and a long avenue of beech-trees, not perfectly straight, but sweeping with a graceful curve over the undulations of the ground, led down to the park gates and to the lodge. At a short distance from that lodge, a little thicket of wood joined on to the avenue, and ran along in irregular masses, till it reached the park wall and these objects the avenue the wavy green slopes of the park the thicket beyond and the top of the park wall were those upon which mr dudley's eye first rested beyond the limits of the park again in the same direction he caught a glimpse of the varied country apparently tolerably fertile and well cultivated close to the park but growing rapidly wilder and more rude as it extended into some high and towering downs which dudley conceived to be those he had traversed the night before as the reader well knows some kinds of beech tree retain their leaves longer than almost any other tree or shrub except the tribe of evergreens and even through frost and wind and rain they hang yellow upon the wintry boughs till the coming of the new green buds like ambitious children forces their predecessors down to the earth the avenue was thus thickly covered so that any one might have walked there long unseen from most parts of the house or park but when lord hadley on his way back to london from the continent had accepted a kind though not altogether disinterested invitation to brandon for so the place was called he had merely mentioned that his tutor was with him and to the tutor had been assigned a room considerably higher in the house than the apartments of more lordly guests dudley did not feel at all displeased that it should be so and now as he looked forth he had a bird's-eye view as it were of the avenue and a fine prospect over the distant country thus he was well contented and as he had been informed that the family did not meet at breakfast till half-past nine and it was then little more than six he determined to dress himself at once and roam for an hour or two through the park and perhaps extend his excursion somewhat 
beyond these walls one of the first operations in a man's toilet i say it for the benefit of the ladies who cannot be supposed to know the mysteries thereof is to shave himself and an exceedingly disagreeable operation it is i know not by what barbarous crotchet it has happened that men have tried to render their faces effeminate by taking off an ornament and a distinction with which nature decorated them but so it is that men every morning doom themselves to a quarter of an hour's torture for the express purpose of making their chins look smug and as unlike the grown man of god's creation as possible dudley's beard was thick and black and required a good deal of shaving he therefore opened a very handsome dressing-case it was one which had been a gift to him in his days of prosperity and taking out a small finely polished mirror he fastened it for the sake of more light than he could obtain at the looking-glass on the toilet-table against the left-hand window of the room then with a little naples soap brought by himself from the city of the siren a soft badger's hair brush and cold water for he did not choose to ring the servants up at that early hour of the morning he set to work upon as handsome a face as probably had ever been seen the brush and the soap both being good he produced a strong lather notwithstanding the cold water and turning to put down the brush and take up the razor which he had laid down on a little table in the window his eyes naturally fell upon that part of the park grounds beneath him where the avenue terminated close to the house as they did so they rested upon a human figure passing rapidly from the mansion to the shade of the beech trees and dudley instantly recognized edgar adelon the son of his host there was nothing very extraordinary in the sight but dudley was a meditative man by habit and while he reaped the sturdy harvest of his chin he went on thinking of edgar adelon his appearance his character his conversation and then his mind turned from the youth to another subject near which it had been fluttering a great deal both that morning and the night before and settled upon eda brandon whatever was the course of his meditations it produced a sigh which is sometimes like a barrier across a dangerous road giving warning not to proceed any further in that direction he then gazed out of the window again and following with his eyes the course of the avenue he once more caught sight of the young gentleman he had just seen hurrying on as fast as he could go he had no gun with him no dogs and a slight degree of curiosity was excited in the tutor's mind which he would have laughed at had it been anything but very slight shortly after he lost sight of the figure which as it seemed to him entered the thicket on the right hand of the avenue and dudley thought to himself poor youth he seemed last night though brilliant and imaginative enough at times sadly absent and even sad at others he is gone perhaps to meditate over his love ay he knows not how many more pangs may be in store for him or what may be the dark turn of fate near at hand i was once as prosperous and as fair-fortuned as himself and now he would not go on for it was a part of his philosophy and it was a high-minded one never to repine as he passed to and fro however in the room 
he looked from time to time out of the window again and just as he was putting on his coat he suddenly saw a figure emerge from the thicket where it approached closest to the park wall beheld it climb easily over the boundary as if by a stile or ladder and disappear at that distance he could not distinguish whether the person he saw was edgar adelon or not but he thought the whole manoeuvre strange and was meditating over it with his face turned to the window when he heard a knock at his door and saying come in was visited by the reverend mr filmer the priest advanced with a calm gentlemanly smile and quiet step saying i heard you moving in your room mr dudley which adjoins mine and came in to wish you good morning and to say if i can be of any service in pointing out to you the objects of interest in this neighbourhood of which there are several i shall be most happy also in my room i have a very good though not very extensive collection of books some of great rarity and though i suppose we are priests of different churches you are too much a man of the world i am sure to suffer that circumstance to cause any estrangement between us it could cause none my dear sir replied dudley even if your supposition were correct but i am not an ecclesiastic and i can assure you that i view your church with anything but feelings of bigotry and indeed regret much that the somewhat too strict definitions of the council of trent have placed a barrier between the two churches which cannot be overlapped strict definitions are very bad things said the priest they are even contrary to the order of nature in it there are no harsh lines of division but every class of beings in existence all objects all tones glide gradually into each other softened off as if to show us that there is no harshness in god's own works it is man makes divisions and bars himself out from his fellow-men dudley did not dislike the illustration of his new acquaintance's views but he remarked that he did not touch upon any definite point but kept to generals and having no inclination himself for religious discussions he thanked mr filmer again for his kindness and asked him if there were any objects of particular interest within the limits of a walk before breakfast one which for me has much interest replied the priest the ruins of a priory and of the church once attached to it which lie just beyond the park walls i am ready to be your conductor this moment if you please dudley expressed his willingness to go mr filmer got his hat and in a few minutes they issued forth into the fresh air taking their way to the right they left the avenue of trees upon the other hand and by a well-worn path over the grassy slopes of the park they soon reached the wall over which they passed by a stone stile and then descended a few hundred yards into a little wooded dell with a very bright but narrow stream running through it a well-trimmed path through the copse brought them at the end of five minutes more to an open space bosomed in the wood where stood the ruin it was a fine specimen though much decayed of that style of architecture which is called norman a number of round arches and deep exquisitely chiselled mouldings were still in good preservation and pausing from time to time to look and admire dudley was led on by his companion to what had been the principal door of the church the tympanum over which was quite perfect it was highly enriched with rude figures 
and the tutor gazed at it for some time in silence trying to make out what the different personages represented could be about mr filmer suffered him with a slight smile to contemplate it uninterruptedly for some time but at length he said it is a very curious piece of sculpture that if you remark on the right-hand side there is represented a hunt with a deer flying before the hounds and a number of armed men on horseback following then in the next compartment you see dogs and men again and a man lying transfixed by a javelin but the third is quite a different subject said dudley a woman seemingly singing and playing on a harp with a number of cherubim round her and an angel holding a file and the fourth compartment is different also showing two principal figures embracing in the midst of several others apparently mere spectators it is nevertheless all one story said the priest and is in fact the history of the foundation of this church and priory though connected with a curious legend attached to three families in this neighbourhood of each of which you know something i will tell you as we return but first let us go round the other side where there is a fragment of a very beautiful window dudley was not content without exploring the whole of the ruin but when that was done they turned back towards the park again and mr filmer began his tale nearly where the existing house stands he said stood formerly brandon castle the lord of which it would appear was a rash impetuous man given much to those rude sports which in the intervals of war were the chief occupations of our old nobility in the neighbourhood there was a family of knightly rank of the name of clive the head of which in the wars of stephen and matilda had saved the life of the neighbouring baron and became his dearest though comparatively humble friend the lord of brandon though not altogether what may be called an irreligious man was notorious for scoffing at the church and somewhat maltreating ecclesiastics he had conceived a passion for a lady named eda adelon the heiress of some large estates at the distance of about thirty miles from this place and had obtained a promise of her hand but upon one occasion he gave her so great offence in regard to an abbey which she had aided principally in founding that she refused to ratify the engagement and entered into the sisterhood herself telling him that the time would come when he too would found monasteries and perhaps have recourse to her prayers five or six years passed afterwards and the baron himself always irascible and vehement became more so from the disappointment he had undergone the only person who seemed to have any power over him and that was the power over which a gentle mind sometimes exercises upon a violent one was his companion the young sir william clive hunting was as i have said his favourite amusement and on one occasion he had pursued a stag for miles through the country always baffled by the swiftness and cunning of the beast he had thrown a number of javelins at it always believing he was sure of his mark but still the beast reappeared unwounded till at length it took its way down the very glen where brandon priory stands and then entered the thicket just as the baron was close upon its track fearing to lose it again he threw another spear with angry vehemence exclaiming with a fearful oath i will kill something this time 
a faint cry immediately followed and the next instant sir william clive staggered forth from the wood transfixed by his friend's javelin and fell to all appearance dying at the feet of the baron's horse you have now the explanation of the first two compartments i will proceed to give you that of the two others the great lord was half frantic at the deed that he had done the wounded man was taken up and carried to the castle skilful leeches were sent for but employed their art in vain the young knight lay speechless senseless with no sign of life but an occasional deep-drawn breath and a slight fluttering of the heart at length one of the chirurgeons who was an ecclesiastic ventured to say i know no one who can save him if it be not the abbess eda now eda adelon had by this time acquired the reputation of the highest sanctity and she was even reported to have worked miracles in the cure of the sick and the infirm filled with anguish for his friend and remorse for what he had done the baron instantly mounted his horse and rode without drawing a rein to the abbey where he was admitted to the presence of the abbess and casting himself upon his knees before her told the tale of his misadventure kneel to god and not to me lord brandon said the abbess humble your heart and pray to the almighty perchance he will have compassion on you pray for me said the baron and if your prayers are successful eda i vow by our lady and all the saints to lead a new and altered life for the future and to found a priory where my poor friend fell and there twelve holy men shall day and night say masses in commemoration of the mercy shown to me i will pray for you replied the abbess wait here a while perchance i may return with good tidings while left alone the baron heard a strain of the most beautiful and solemn music and the exquisite voice of the abbess eda singing an anthem and at the end of about an hour she returned to him carrying a phial of precious medicine which she directed him to give to his friend as soon as he reached his castle the legend goes that the phial had been brought down to her by an angel in answer to her prayers but certain it is the moment the medicine was administered to the wounded man his recovery commenced and he was soon quite restored to health the baron did not forget his vow but built the priory where you have seen the ruins and in commemoration of the event caused the tympanum you have examined to be chiselled by a skilful mason we find moreover that he bestowed the hand of his only sister upon the young sir william clive and the malicious folks of the day did not scruple to affirm that the young lady had been walking in the wood with the gallant knight at the very moment when he received the wound the priest ended with a quiet smile and dudley replied with that sort of interest which an imaginative man always takes in a legend of this kind i do not wonder that where there are such tales connected with a family it clings to the old faith with which they are bound up in spite of all the changes that go on around alas in this instance my dear sir replied the priest such has not been the case the adelons and the clives it is true have remained attached to the church the brandons have long abandoned her even this fair girl sir arthur's niece has been brought up in your religion he paused a moment and then added with a sigh and continues in it dudley could not say that he was sorry to hear it 
but he was spared the necessity of making any reply by the approach of another person in whom he instantly recognized the father of the girl whom he had aided to rescue from extreme peril the evening before ah mr clive he said as the other drew near i am very happy to see you i should have come down during the morning to inquire after your daughter i trust that she has not suffered much and that you got a surgeon speedily in about two hours my lord said clive country doctors are not always readily to be found but the delay did no harm the broken arm was set easily enough and my poor girl is none the worse for what has happened except inasmuch as she will have to go one-handed about the world for the next month or so you have mistaken me for the gentleman who was with me mr clive said dudley he was lord hadley i am a very humble individual having neither rank nor honours the nobility of the heart sir and the honours which are given unasked to a high mind replied clive i know not why but both my daughter and myself fancied that you were the nobleman and the other was a friend the very reverse answered dudley he is a nobleman i am merely his tutor the old man mused for a minute or two very profoundly and said at length well i suppose it is all just and right in the sight of the great distributor of all gifts and honours but i beg your pardon sir for giving you a title that is not your due which i know is a greater offence when it is too high than when it is too low against the one offence man is sheltered by his pride to the other he is laid open by his vanity mr filmer i should like to speak a word with you if possible certainly said the priest certainly if you will walk on mr dudley for a very short way i will talk to mr clive and overtake you immediately i beg pardon for our scanty expedition after breakfast or in the evening we will take a longer ramble dudley bowed and walked on with very little expectation to say the truth of being rejoined by the priest before he reached the house but he miscalculated for five minutes had hardly passed when with his peculiarly quiet step rapid but silent mr filmer joined him dudley had clearly comprehended from the first that mr filmer was a man likely to be deeply acquainted with the affairs of all the roman catholic families in the neighbourhood there is one great inconvenience attending the profession of the roman catholic faith in a country where the great bulk of the population is opposed to it the nearest priest must be the depository of the secrets of all but it must depend upon the honesty with which they are kept whether the private affairs of every family are or are not bruited about through the whole adjacent country in lands where the population is principally papistical such is not the case for the numbers of the priesthood divide the secrets of the population but it rarely happens that one man has enough to make it worth his while to talk of the concerns of the families with which he is connected even were his lips closed upon the weightier matters by the injunctions of the church dudley was somewhat curious to have an explanation of the circumstances in which he had found both clive and his daughter on the preceding evening but a feeling of delicacy made him forbear from putting any question to mr filmer upon the subject and as they walked on to the house he merely remarked i suppose this gentleman whom we have lately seen is a descendant of the person mentioned in your legend from father to son direct replied the priest it is but little known how much noble blood there is to be found amongst what is called the yeomanry of england 
if the old norman race were still considered worthy of respect many a proud peer would stand unbonneted before the farmer but mr clive cultivates his own land as was done in days of yore i should almost have imagined said dudley with a laugh from the spot and manner in which i found him last night that he added other occupations probably if less noble not less ancient mr filmer turned and gazed at him with a look of some surprise but he made no reply and as they were by this time near the house the conversation dropped entirely End of chapter 4